Hey, greetings everyone, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, and welcome to Steadfast and Loyal. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Steadfast and Loyal. And there's so much that is still going on with this whole coronavirus episode. One of the big things that I'm upset about are those men and women in the military who did not uh, take this shot. They should be given the opportunity to come back into the military, especially now since we're not meeting our recruitment goals, and get their back pay and things of this nature and be restored to the rank that they had. So I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about this whole issue about the coronavirus, the pandemic, how we were lied to, where do we go from here, than Dr. Naomi Wolf. Dr. Wolf is a best-selling author, columnist, and professor. She is a graduate of Yale University and received a doctorate from Oxford. I'm just a University of Tennessee graduate doctor, so please don't use a lot of big words on me. She is the co-founder and CEO of DailyClout.io, a successful civil tech company. Dr. Wolf has written eight best-selling works of nonfiction, but today we're going to talk to her about her latest work. It's an ebook entitled War Room slash Daily Clout, Pfizer Documents, Analysis, Volunteers Reports, Find out what Pfizer FDA tried to conceal. Dr. Naomi Wolf, thanks for joining us here at Steadfast and Loyal. Thanks so much for having me. Well, let's let's start out and talk about your ebook here because you know, you get the feeling that something was not right. You get the feeling that, you know, a lot of these, you know, biomedical and, and drug companies really made a lot of money off of a, you know, the pain of the American people. What do you really discover in your research and your study, uh, you know, as you have gone through this, looking back on this coronavirus pandemic? Yeah, well, um, just to share, uh, luckily, in addition to the ebook, there's also a physical book now, which um, okay. order on Amazon or right there on dailycloud.io. And it is an historic publication because what happened was that Aaron Siri, who's a distinguished attorney, sued the FDA um, for to compel it to release tens of thousands of documents um, in its custody that were internal Pfizer documents. And the judge agreed with Aaron Siri and forced Pfizer to force the FDA to release the Pfizer documents. At that point, I was worried that um, they'd be lost to history because they're very technical and there are tens of thousands of them. What journalist is able to go through all of that? So we put out a call on Steve Bannon's War Room and my site, Daily Cloud, for experts. And now we have 3,500 doctors and scientists with the highest credentials, RNs, medical fraud investigators, biostatisticians, et cetera, who have united for the good of humanity to read through these Pfizer documents. And they've issued 76 reports. So that's what's in this book um, you just mentioned. 
And the reports do document, I'm sorry to tell your viewers, the greatest crime against humanity in recorded history. And I'm Jewish. I don't say that lightly. My grandma lost nine siblings in the Holocaust. This mm -hmm. is scale. When you do the math, the scale is, is worse than the Holocaust. And I say that advisedly. Um, what they found is, I mean, very brief headlines. A month in, Pfizer knew that the vaccine did not work to stop COVID. Um, the third most common side effect is COVID. Uh, they use the words vaccine failure and failure of efficacy a month in. So everything that followed was a lie. Um, they knew that they had 1,225 deaths within three months of the vaccine being rolled out. They knew that um, there were 35 minors who had sustained heart damage within a week of receiving the mRNA injections. They knew that they had to hire 2,400 full-time employees just to deal with the flood of adverse events, reports that they were receiving and they anticipated receiving. Um, and uh, I, I mean, horrors ranging from, the, you know, they knew that the materials didn't stay in the deltoid, that they biodistributed to every organ in the body, uh, spike protein, lipid nanoparticles, um, and uh, polyethylene glycol, which is a petroleum byproduct. Uh, these materials accumulated in the liver, the spleen, the adrenals, um, if you're a woman in your ovaries. And uh, they, there are tens of thousands of strokes, thousands of neurological disorders, um, dementias, Guillain-Barre's, Alzheimer's, Bell's palsy, Parkinson's, uh, tens of thousands of examples of kidney failure, liver failure, failure, cancers, turbo cancers, um, just, you know, things you, that would surprise you, skin disorders, eye disorders. Uh, and in addition to all of these horrors and more, in the documents, there is, and to me, this is the most important thing, because it's not just about the present and the future, there's a 360 degree attack on human reproduction, and especially on women and on female reproduction. Yeah. The, the, the amazing, it, you know, this is amazing to me, because this is not something that is made up, but yet we have a government that was forcing people to, to take this and ruining people's lives uh, if they did not. So when you look at what the government did by way of collusion with social media platforms and things of this nature, you know, why was it so important to suppress this tr truth? Why was it not important for these things to be shared with the American people and basically have us like sheep being led to the slaughter. Uh, I, I remember the chastisement that you got uh, if you did not want to take this shot. And, and, and even within, you know, some of my extended relatives who said, well, I don't want you coming over to visit me and all of these things. This really almost destroyed this country and definitely destroyed many lives. What's What's the consequence going to be? Well, these are two questions, right? Why did they do it? And, and also, what are the consequences? Um, okay. So I'll take time. Unfortunately, um, my independent research has led me to conclude that this is a bioweapon. I mean, people are now speaking of it as a bioweapon. I believe the state of Florida just recently passed a declaration that it's a bioweapon. Um, and the reason I concluded it's bioweapon is, you know, in addition to seeing how intentional the attack on female reproduction, the 80% miscarriage rate, the fact that the 
poisonous materials get into vaccinated moms' uh, breast milk and poison newborn babies. The fact that, you know, the Pfizer documents refer to dead babies in utero as having died from, quote, transplacental exposure, the vaccine, the fact that Pfizer defines shedding or exposure to the vaccine mm-hmm. as skin inhalation and sexual intercourse, um, especially at the time of conception. So there's something in the semen of vaccinated men that Pfizer knows is damaging to either women or to embryos. Um, they instructed vaccinated men not to have intercourse with childbearing age women, um, or if they did to use two reliable forms of contraception. Um, so all of these are things you, I'm a political analyst, right? I'm not a medical doctor. If you, and I've been a political consultant to uh, Bill Clinton and to Al Gore. If you have a set of documents that show a sustained attack on the ability of a whole population to reproduce, the most obvious conclusion is that this is a, a foreign power of some kind or yeah. a, a treasonous entity that is trying to take out the United States of America. So that's just one piece of evidence. But um, I found the memorandum of understanding between Pfizer-BioNTech, which makes the Pfizer vaccines, and uh, the Chinese Communist Party. So they're the mm. same company, essentially. And in 2021, the BioNTech SEC filing uh, stated that there had been 100% completed tech transfer in 2021 from BioNTech to China. It didn't say a Chinese individual, a Chinese company. It said China. So this means that the formulation, the manufacturing process, the distribution now in 2022, 2023, is entirely in the hands of people who, you know, harvest their own people's organs and who are are existential adversaries. And my husband, who has spent a career in military intelligence and intelligence, has said they want our land, they want our energy grid, they want our water resources, um, they want our food supply, they don't want our population. And... Then lastly, the last piece of evidence I have is that, um, and by the way, China has opened 14 uh, vaccine manufacturing plants in Western Europe and two in the United States, one in Amherst, uh, New Jersey, I'm sorry, Amherst, Massachusetts, and mm-hmm. one in Princeton, New Jersey. So they're, you know, actively, we have, a, we have a hostile entity actively manufacturing and distributing this dangerous, sterilizing, and lethal product. Um, And my last piece of evidence that it's a bioweapon is if you look at the adverse events breakdown in the Pfizer documents, it shows that there's a total of uh, just under 43,000 adverse events in three months. So 36,000 of these uh, were in the United States. Um, The next largest tranche were in Western Europe in order of political importance, meaning Britain, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Greece, and all the rest of the adverse events combined in all 52 countries it was rolled out were in, um, added up to only 6,000 adverse events. So if you take all of those together and you also realize that this injection can be made more and less lethal with tampering with things as simple as brand, with Moderna being more than three times as 
it's got more than three times the poisonous materials of, um, of Pfizer or tampering with things as simple as temperature because this material is liquid under very cold temperatures but solidifies mm -hmm. under room temperatures and body temperatures. Um, then you see how easy it is to take out a country. I mean, look at who got mandated. And this is, I guess, the final piece of evidence. Our, our soldiers, our sailors, our special forces, our healthcare workers, our first responders, um, the children of the elite at universities, right? The next generation, if there's going to be, you know, it, like if you want to distract and, and disable the elite of a country, kill their kids, you know, disable their kids, sterilize their kids. Um, who else got mandated? Firefighters, police officers, um, the people you need to have a functioning society. Yeah. And as a result, you know, doubt has shown we have, um, you know, catastrophically high levels of disability, as well as deaths, um, excess deaths off the charts. So this is what, you know, again, I don't mean to be, you know, citing my husband all the time, but he's, you know, incredibly knowledgeable about um, warfare. And he describes this as, this is what we do to other countries before invading them. We tenderize them. It's called tenderizing the enemy. So well, he's yeah. anticipating war. And, you know, look at us. I mean, we're a mess. We're, everyone's disabled. Everyone's, you know, injured. Uh, people are, have turbo cancers. People have strokes. Very few doctors are telling people with these side effects that it's related to the vaccine. But, you know, I just look around and visually Americans are barely, you know, barely thriving, right? They're not the strong, healthy population they were in 2019. Well, what your husband is talking about, something that we in the military would call setting the conditions or shaping operation before a decisive operation. And that really is what a bio weapon or chemical weapon does. It is about disabling some of the capabilities and capacities of your enemy, your adversary, to make it a lot easier for you to attack. And so what you're laying down is, you know, phase one, you know, the bio weapon. And now we are dealing with the fentanyl, which is also it's a chemical weapon and it's being used against us. And where does it emanate from? Again, it emanates from the, the Chinese, the Chinese communists, uh, the transnational narco criminal terrorists or getting it into the country. But, you know, you think about 100,000 Americans in what a year or two have been killed because of the fentanyl and continues to to do so. So you're absolutely right. And, and the fentanyl is really hitting the number one killer, 18 to what, 45. So that that military aged uh, individuals. So when you look at it, this uh, from a military perspective, when you look at this evidence that you have, how can our government be so blind as to allow this to occur and to me be complicit to it and also trying to silence the voices of the people that see this evidence and have this proof? Right. Well, that's the great question. Um, and thank you for your service. I'm sorry to not say that earlier. Um, so I think, I, so I voted for the Biden administration and I'm ashamed that I did. And I wish I had. Um, we have a thoroughly compromised White House. Uh, we have traitors in the White House and uh, every single journalist who, you know, censored stories of Hunter Biden's laptop in, in advance of the election really has blood on their hands. 
um, because we now have the receipts. Uh, the Biden family received millions of dollars from the Chinese Communist Party um, and from cutouts uh, related to people who are our enemies. And once China, which you know does not play, I mean, they don't play nice, right? It's a tyrannical no. regime, right? Once a Chinese intelligence asset gives you $3 million, you're really not free not to do what they ask you to do. So we have a compromised White House and they're enthralled to China. And, you know, again, I'm a former political consultant, so this is so obvious to me. Not only have the last two and a half years been about weakening us physically and economically and, you know, in terms of our, our culture and our infrastructure and our food supply and our cyber security and our energy grid, but um, so many moments, I mean, I, it just kills me to think about them. These are not accidental. When, you know, when the president of the United States looks at his watch during a military funeral. Oh, I know. Multiple, yeah. That's not, he's not just being a jerk, right? He's not just being senile. Those events are so scripted and, and, you know, there would be a handler or his wife or someone nearby, right, to stop him from doing it again if it was just a senile moment. But multiple times, like that's just one example, but the prestige of our country, the symbols of our country have been intentionally degraded and degraded and mocked and humiliated and vilified deliberately in a kind of theatrics, you know, at, especially at the level of the White House for the last three years. I mean, just one other example, which I find so painful, is um, the president ends his speeches and for like decades, presidents have been, as you know, presidents have ended their speeches, God bless our troops and God bless the United States of America. Yeah. Well, he just cuts God bless the United States of America. So that's like one of those little kind yep. of cycle torture things that is, ba you know, that basically sends the message to Americans listening that um, this is not a president who cares about us. No one cares about our traditions. Our traditions are meaningless. Our prestige is meaningless. I mean, on and on, you know, sending our our secretary of whoever Janet Yellen is, I forgot her formal title. Treasury. Treasury, thank you. Yeah. To eat in a restaurant instead of, you know, at a banquet. I mean, again and again, we're being humiliated um, in symbolic ways and our our um, our traditions and our our culture is being humiliated, and this is this is what the only way this could happen is is if our adversaries had the president and you know therefore the White House, the whole executive branch in in its uh, thrall, essentially. You know, it's interesting because what I want everyone to get out of this conversation we're having is that. You're not, you know, the other side is very good at demonizing, you know, right wing, nuts, extremists, whatever. You know, you're someone that has been, quote unquote, on the other side of the aisle. You talked about your political consultancy. You talked about who you voted for in the last presidential election. My question is, do you think that we are awakening people to, to understand that this is not about which side of the aisle that we're on? This is about truth. This is about what is happening to our country. This is about waking us all up to realize that we cannot continue to be uh, the frogs in the boiling pot of water. 
We cannot continue to be, you know, some type of crash test dummy. This is very serious when you talk about China and what they're doing as our number one geopolitical foe. And when you look and see what is happening on our border, I live down here in Texas, the amount of single military age males coming in here from China is another thing that should be very disconcerting because I believe that's another aspect of this shaping operation. So I think it's so important that folks realize that you're not a political ideologue. You're saying this from a sincere position of what you see happening in our country. Well, thank you. I mean, yes, I certainly hope so. Uh, you know, these tyrants will tyrant, right? Like yeah. tyranny partisan. And I first started paying attention to the ways in which the United States could be subverted. You know, our democracy or our republic could be subverted by a, a tyranny or basically in a coup um, during the Bush era. Um, and unfortunately, Bush too really innovated and set in motion a lot of the, you know, poisonous fruit that, that has kind of been escalating now. I mean, the National Defense Authorization Act of 2012, um, gave the president the power to detain anyone without charge or trial. And during the Bush era, uh, you know, Guantanamo was built. You know, we created a place outside the rule of law. We created a, he created a surveillance society. So I guess, you know, without going into rabbit holes, you know, and then Obama droned Americans, right? You could go on with examples on both sides of the aisle of tyrants and tyranny and unconstitutional behavior again and again. Why? Because, and I totally say this as someone who was in those rooms where national histories are made, everyone, like democracy or real republic is very inconvenient, right? It, it keeps people from doing what they want to do at the highest levels. Um, and either side, given the opportunity, will arrest their opposition, you know, spy on critics, uh, muzzle the press, so this is totally not partisan. I'm embarrassed that the left, which in my lifetime used to stand for free speech and you know, human rights has completely ab abandoned its legacy under the Biden administration. Um, but you're right, it's not about partisanship. It's very important for us to not be divided by party anymore because the only way to save our country is with a, a movement that is not left versus right, but kind of us versus them, because our enemies are, are not, um, you know, the DNC or the RNC, our enemies are globalists. It's, you know, the CCP, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, these multi, and big tech, right, inclusion yeah. with them. It's these multinational entities that are trying to create structures above the level of the nation state so that our rights can be taken away from us. And the WHO treaty that says that they get to declare a pandemic mm -hmm. anytime on and remove our sovereignty um, is, is a really great example of that. Do you think, uh, and, and next to the last question, do you think that this issue of American sovereignty will be a critical aspect of our election coming up in 2024? Because right now, I mean, if, if you're a country that does not control your borders, you're not a country. I don't, you're just a, a piece of ground in between two other places. And you talked about, you know, China coming in and buying up land here in the United States of America. And, and I give, I've said this before, we couldn't even pass legislation in the Texas uh, state legislature in our last session to prevent China 
from buying up land. So you're right. It's not so much about R&D. It's about understanding the, the fundamentals of this constitutional republic. But again, do you think that sovereignty of our country will be a critical issue, borders, things of this nature? Um, well, first, forgive me. Uh, I am alone in the house and my puppy is barky. So it's I all good. We're dog friendly. Thank you. I hope I, it, he's a he's a very Internet friendly puppy. Yeah. Um, and second, that's really interesting that even in Texas, you couldn't pass your no. legislation no. to keep China from buying up land. Who was standing in the way? Was it Dems or was it both? No, parties? Texas has a Republican state house, a Republican state Senate and a Republican governor. And so that's why I'm saying this is less about R&D. This is about two different principles and philosophies of governance. And you talked about it, this globalist mentality, this, this surrendering of our sovereignty. And there are people, you brought up George Bush and some of the things that he done. Well, you know, he's still pretty influential and impactful by way of this knucklehead called Rove here in the state of Texas. So, you know, you're again, you're a great example of how we need to break this thing down from party and start thinking about our fundamentals here as a constitutional republic. And so, again, do you think that this issue of sovereignty for the United States of America can be a critical uh, item in the 2024 election? Economic I, I sovereignty, it, too. I think it should be if I were if I were running for president, that and parents' rights would be at the top of my list. Um, these are issues that are fundamental to everything else. Everyone understands them. Um, no one wants to lose their sovereignty. I think people, we've never seen so many American flags, right? I think people are kind of belatedly realizing what America is and how bad it would be if we lived in a communist regime or a fascist regime. And, you know, absolutely, that would be a winning issue. And, you know, everything else depends on that, right? Because you can't have economic well-being if you mm -hmm. can't set the terms of your economy. You can't have uh, safety, you know, physical safety. You can't manage crime if you mm -hmm. can't police your own borders and, and so on. I mean, you know, losing your sovereignty to the WHO people really have to understand. It means that you're going to see, you know, UN soldiers or militias or Blackwater, God knows what mercenaries outside your house anytime they want, and, and there will be nothing you well, can do about Antifa. it. Well, Antifa, to me, is an arm of this uh, that okay. no one wants to talk. Jane's Revenge is an arm of this. This BLM movement was a Marxist uh, movement, and, and so it's already happening, uh, if you ask me. I, I totally agree with you, and actually, <laughs> Brian found the money flow um, from China to uh, Antifa and to these other, you know, Ruth sent us and these other kind of pop up, you know, liberal um, protest movements. Something I, I would like people to notice is uh, the physiques of a lot of the, 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 the protesters on the left. I've been on the left my whole life. I've gone to a million protests on the left. We're not that well organized. We're not violent. And we're not, you know, the, our men are not buff. <laughs> I don't know how else to <laughs> He's trying to say they're Delta males. <laughs> and these guys look like special operators. I yeah. mean, if you look at them, not everyone, but there are a lot of like, and the same is true of the violent police in France, the violent police who beat the truckers in Canada. All over the world, you see these mysterious black uniformed, masked, helmeted, no, you know, tag, which is not constitutional, um, you know, gigantic mercenary type physique 
entities like beating the heck out of people, depriving them of their constitutional rights or, you know, protesting violently, setting things on fire. Um, so people should be really well aware that infiltration is a standard practice like we do it in other countries. And to your point about men of fighting age crossing the border, totally we should be terrified of that. How vulnerable are we right now? Millions of people have come to the border. We don't know where they are. They could be you know, a number of them could be sleeper military units, right? There are um, Chinese police departments Station, in yeah. Canada. You know, what? Who let that happen? And then at a moment's notice, you know, Canada is wholly in the thrall of China. They mm -hmm. could open borders um, to our north. And then we'd be in a pincher movement where, you know, either sleeper cells or sleeper militias pop up from, from China or from other countries or mercenaries uh, emboldened by China, the WHO, or and or um, they stream down from from Canada. So, like, thank God for the Second Amendment. I never thought yeah. I'd say that. Very peaceful person. But the only reason we're not Australia or Canada right now is our Constitution, it's a beautiful Constitution, our First Amendment and our Second Amendment. And it's going to be harder to take this country if people realize we're at war and war is being waged on us. And, you know, people learn to shoot like I'm learning to shoot, um, you know, secure their food supplies, secure their energy supplies, uh, print out their financial documents, don't rely on the grid, um, you know, get to know your neighbors, get to know where you can buy beef and buy milk and buy fresh vegetables. I mean, it's going to come down to kind of a local communities repelling um, invaders. It's, it's that simple. And everything I've predicted for the last almost two years has come true. Well, uh, that's, that's, that's the chilling part that, you know, I talk to people and, they, you know, the whole thing about, you know, folks out there were conspiracy theories. Well, it's not a conspiracy theory when it comes to fruition. And it's sad to believe that, you know, 240 what seven years ago, uh, we had to deal with the exact same thing of an invasion of a foreign force onto our lands, and we had to repel it locally. And that's what the Sons of Liberty did in Massachusetts. One last question before I let you go uh, is, you know, you used to be on the left, on the liberal side, whatever you want to call it. Where are the feminists that are standing up for young women? You know, Title IX, something that, you know, I, I even fought for because I wanted to see women have their opportunities. And I had two daughters when it comes to athletics. I mean, where are their voices? How, how are we letting, you know, this happen uh, to women's sports in America? Uh, you're asking all the right questions. I mean, I'm I so, I'm so ashamed, you know, of so many people on my side who know better my former side. And especially I'm ashamed and shocked at the silence of, of the feminist movement, not just about this, but about, you know, the, the, the fact that this injection is, is ruining women's menstrual cycles yes. and killing their baby in utero, you know, like, 72% of the adverse events from the Pfizer injection are women. Of those, 16% are, quote, reproductive disorders. Pfizer's feminists have been completely crickets about that. You know, women who were vocal about anorexia and bulimia and silicone breast implants and, you know, estrogen and birth control pills, silent about that devastating threat to female reproduction and, and, and reproductive health. Um, when it comes to I guess you're describing the issue of trans women in women's sports. This is such a 
a difficult thing in a way, but in a way it isn't. I used to think this was like a psycho right-wing wedge issue that was not important, affected very few people. Um, but now I see that it's not organic. This whole kind of push, not just to um, highlight trans issues, but to uh, aim, aim trans culture at children, yeah. that is not the organic LGBTQ community as far as I understand. I, you know, I do not think that's organic. I think that it's another example of weaponization of our culture, like the um, outside forces basically perverting our culture and breaking down our our cultural categories. Yeah. Um, because I don't know any trans people who want to harm children by imposing their adult culture on children, not one. So, I mean, that's just anecdotal, but I, you know, this came out of nowhere kind of, and I've been around the LGBTQ community my whole life. Um, so, I mean, yes, more LGBTQ parents and trans parents should, and people and citizens should be speaking up and calling a halt to the excesses, and I wish they would, but it isn't organic. So now sports. I used to think it was a big deal. Now I see that it's a very big deal because it's relentless, right? Yes. And it's not just like, I didn't care if a trans woman used the bathroom, but if it's like a systematic, um, what is a trans woman? A biological male can call himself a trans woman. You know, I'm a, I'm a rapist and I'm in your, you know, gym locker room, right? That's, that's kind of, um, this is the methodology, right? It's like yes. a camel's nose under the tent and yes. then subculture has changed and you're not safe. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, what I've said in the past is sports team categories are kind of artificial anyway. Male, you, you know, compete here. Female, you compete here because there are small, weaker men and stronger, bigger women. But having said that, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, okay, this is an XX chromosome sporting event. And that's an XY chromosome sporting event. I don't think there's anything wrong at all with that. I don't think it'll, you know, harm trans women. I think it'll be fair. And then a trans woman who's XY can maintain her identity, but she's competing with other XY people who probably are mostly men. Well, I just think it's a shame and I don't think it's honorable that a biological male who was 463rd in his event swimming against guys all of a sudden decides he wants to be a, a female and he's uh, celebrated as a great champion and things of this nature. To me, I, th I call that cowardice. But well, Naomi I, I'm sorry, I just have to chime in with this, may I? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's so interesting knowing the whole history of the women's movement and women's suffrage because they're always asked to let someone else go first. You know, they're always asked to be patient and to wait for their revolution and to wait for their equality. Other groups are too, but that's pretty common. And um, I can't imagine it really flying for other people who are claiming rightly, you know, their constitutional rights or their rights to equality. Uh, other groups would not be asked to tolerate an unfair competition of that kind. Yeah. Well, uh, equality for a specific group does not mean that you take away the opportunities and the quality of another. So that's I, the thing that, that I'm really not happy with. But I, Dr. Naomi Wolf, where can people follow you? Where can people get your book, ebook, and also full book on Pfizer and uh, this report that you have uh, produced? 
Thank you so much. Please do come to dailyclout.io. You can support us through membership and donations there. And I'm like brazenly asking for support because our two lawsuits against Pfizer are very expensive. Um, we can really use your help. And also you can order the Pfizer Documents Analysis Reports book right there on dailycloud.io or on Amazon. And please do. Uh, it's really a life-saving book with um, information that could really protect your loved ones. And thank All you so right. much for having Thank you for being here with us at Staff Fashion Law. God bless you, Dr. Wolf. Thank you. You too. Uh -huh. So much. Bye -bye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this episode of Staff Fashion Law. A very special thanks to Dr. Naomi Wolf for taking the time to be with us, an incredible woman. And if you like this show, if you like what we're doing, if you like this programming, please click the like button, share it with others, let people know about it. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down